2019 is a year of breakthrough. It's a year of knowing. It's a year of growing. It's a year of showing, and it's a year of going. Right now, we're in the knowing phase. God's revealing things to me I didn't know before. God's bringing me into growth in the reaction to things. God's given me boldness that I may show forth his excellencies and trust for greater manifestations of God. I got a great report from a young father whose son was dealing with some issues with his iron levels in his blood. Dad was believing God. Mom was believing God. Grandparents called at the church. We got in faith. We're standing in faith. Got good medical care. But you know, he went over to that cross on Good Friday and nailed that, that request and that point of contact of faith. And I was happy to hear this week that all those levels are excellent. Praise God for that breakthrough. Another lady sent a very detailed letter describing how she had some very significant issues. And by Jesus' stripes, she got a breakthrough. She got healed. She recovered. It's wonderful. We had another lady who was, they were threatening to have to amputate her fingers. And God spared her. And she's going to get to keep her supple, nice, happy fingers. That's a big deal. Hallelujah. There's some mighty, notable miracles happening around us. And there will also even be extraordinary miracles. There's going to be a category where it's not even ordinary. It goes into another level. Because God is good. Because God is powerful. Because God is present. Hey, listen, man. I crashed in the arrow point on Catalina Island in the pitch black dark about 7 o'clock at night. Oh, a few winters ago. Uh, my friend miscalculated and slammed into a boulder about the size of a house. And we were going about 25, 27 miles per hour. And we jutted forward. It lacerated my friend's neck at the, at the helm. The other friend threw, flew so far it almost put out his left eye. Broke my ribs. My sternum was cracked. My face was all smashed. My arm was blown up. My chin was split. And... Um, we passed out a number of times, and the Lord delivered us, sent a Coast Guard, U.S. Coast Guard, who came and dropped out by helicopter, who just so happened to be practicing out there. And uh, I got delivered. I got delivered. And instead of going, why, God, why? It's like uh, my whole thing was, God, it could have been a whole lot worse. And I certainly know God didn't do it to me, and that somewhere along the line I missed it, but then it is mercy. Everybody say mercy. mercy. He covered me. And he rescued me and he redeemed me. And I just want to talk to you about how the Lord is good. And in fact, the verse that emerged, the pastor that, who was piloting, his, both of his adult sons came into my room while I was still, his dad was in the ER and I was in the hospital. They came in and they just started to cry and they were concerned about their dad. And I, it's interesting how you often have to minister out of your own pain. I was, every time I moved, I moaned because my sternum was busted and they didn't fix it. It was just wiggling, you know. And uh, we came up with this scripture, Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. Nahum is a prophet that's giving some rebuke and bringing some clarity to Israel. But in the midst of all of this emerges this central primary awareness that I want to bring to you. And that is that the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Now, the Lord is good. Everybody say the Lord is good. That good is the opposite of bad. Light is the opposite of darkness. Righteousness is the opposite of sin. God is pure and holy and mighty and trustworthy. He's our heavenly father. He cares about us. I realize there's Ebola in the northern 
uh, western part of Africa. I realize there's cholera down there in Mozambique. I'm burdened and concerned about the flood levels up and down these uh, overly saturated rivers right now. I see, like you do, the situations of even though we have a great economy and great employment, how much hate there is in the atmosphere. I see all that, wars, rumors of wars, hostility. And yet, we lift up our eyes on this Sunday and acknowledge, okay, I get all that. Those are facts. But yet, we lift up our eyes and we go, okay, God, you're our God. And you always will be God, and you are reliable, and you are faithful, and you are holy, and you are mighty, and you sent your son Jesus to prove your love for all the rest of us. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, saved from sin, saved from the consequences of sin. Saved from eternity in hell, constantly tormented, alone, lonely, having no hope, alienated and separated from God. Jesus didn't want that. He wanted to save the people that God made in his image and draw us out of darkness into this marvelous light, transferring us from the oppression of Satan and bringing us into the authority and the kingdom and the abundance of God's purposes and God's plan. Wow. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Another verse. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, he said he was speaking to the Jews who believed. So there is a prerequisite. We, we're believers. We are called to respond and have beliefs. I've heard people that, oh, I don't, I'm, I don't believe any of that stuff. And that's called unbelief. Oh, I, I don't know whether God, that, that's agnosticism or doubt. And they, those things can be proved crippling. But yet Jesus revealed his resurrection, Acts chapter one, by many infallible proofs. I love that. And I'm fully persuaded. I remember a song written for Easter years ago. I know the tomb is empty because I know my heart is full. There's external evidence of all the archaeology that's been recently uh, un uncovered in, uh, in the Holy Land, and it just keeps affirming the fact that these things all line up. But there's an internal evidence that when anyone is in Christ, he or she becomes a brand new creation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, is uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 1 is... Very clarifying. This is an epistle toward the back of the Bible where no one's really sure who wrote Hebrews. They think it could either have been Paul the Apostle or Apollos. I tend to think it doesn't really matter. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it's profitable for training us and for revealing things to us. You know, you search the scriptures, Jesus said, and you see me. So we look into the Word of God today, and I pray for revelation. I pray for light. I pray for a supernatural understanding that builds faith, builds hope, builds love, puts traction under our tires where we're spinning our wheels, puts joy back where we feel depleted, puts strength back in us, brings perspective to us, brings direction to us, brings correction where necessary. We ask that you would equip and help us so we go away with something substantial. In Jesus' name. My aim is to bring some clarification to you in this teaching. So here goes. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God. I love any book that starts out with God. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be good, right? God, look at this. 
after he spoke a long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. Let me ask you something, Bible students. Who were some of the fathers that are mentioned there that God spoke through and spoke to? Moses. God spoke to Moses by a, what? A burning bush and other means. He said, I am that I am sent you. I want you to go in there, tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. I'm going to do something of a deliverance for the people of ancient Israel. I'm going to do something and bring a provider promised land. Who are some of the other ancients? So the, Abraham and Sarah, they were, he was a father of many nations. He was called to be a people. It was once not a people and he became a, uh, the father of many nations. Noah, who in obedience prepared an ark to the saving of his family, and eight people were saved, and it precipitated replenishment for the human race. And King David and the prophets. And we see here that it says, God in the past, long ago, spoke to the fathers and through the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. But in these last days, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. This is what I want to get over to you about clarification about doctrine. I've seen people get confused about Old Testament scriptures. I've seen people get confused about eschatology. I've seen people get confused uh, about various things of our redemption. And I heard a pastor from Los Angeles in the 1940s. He made a comment. He said, we are to judge the Bible in the light of our redemption, in the light of our redemption. So what that means is we're in a new covenant inaugurated on better promises, meaning there was a beginning where God created the heavens and the earth and made Adam and Eve and gave them free will and with their free moral agency forfeited the prize by disobedience. They were tempted by Satan. They were banished from the garden. There was a death process that began. The wages of sin is death. They groped and grappled through life, multiplied. The Lord blessed them anyway. And then God at a certain moment reveal law to the people, the Jewish people. He made a covenant with Abraham and said, hey, get ready. All the nations are going to be blessed through you. Things are going to happen through you. God had already told Eve, hey, through your seed, the devil's head's going to be crushed. So there was a promise of a deliverer. But the law came to show what God liked and didn't like, what God wanted in his holiness and what God insists that we not yield to. He put boundaries and parameters there. It came down off the mountain and, and on the tablets, and Moses presented it uh, to this people group. There's one God, and this is what he wants. We see it in commandments. We've distilled it to the Ten Commandments. But we find in the book of Galatians that the law, when we look at it, no one is capable of living up to it because if you fail in one and you do all the other ones perfectly, then you've fallen. And the Bible says we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and none are righteous, no, not one. Yet God is so good that he says, I want you to know that so that you will have this provide an incentive for you to understand, hey, I need a rescuer. I got lost at sea in New Zealand. I was flopping with my one arm. I was holding a spear gun in the other. I had my flippers on and my wetsuit and my mask, my snorkel, and, I, and my weight belt, and I was paddling and paddling against a five-mile-per-hour current. I found out later from some professionals that Michael Phelps can only swim at about three miles per hour, so even Michael Phelps would have been pulled out to sea, just not as fast as me. But anyway, I got pulled out to sea. I couldn't save myself. I cried, this poor man cried in my desperation, God, I know you to be good. Help, send wisdom to Captain Pete. 
God, you're gonna, I need you to give him wisdom. You told me in James chapter 1, it pays to read the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all men generously. And so God, more than me right now, Captain Pete needs some wisdom right now. Could you download some wisdom to Captain Pete about when they last saw me, about where they think I got sucked out from the rocks, about the currents, about the winds, and could you put them onto my location? Now, I didn't say that. I thought about it later. The way I prayed that was, God, help! In Jesus' name, Jesus, God, God, Jesus, help, Jesus, give Captain Pete wisdom help. I later on developed the theology of it. But the central theology of it was God is good, he's powerful, and he's present. He hears and he answers prayer. He's a rescuer. My redeemer lives. If he can save us from our sin, he can save me from the stupidity of being lost at sea. I know some of you Missourians are going, what were you doing doing that anyway, Pastor Jeff? It was awesome. I preached. I preached here. I preached Friday and three services Sunday. Got on an airplane, went there, preached in this church, preached at their satellite down over by here, preached three times, I think. I preached like seven times in three days. I was in a multiple time zones, 14-hour flight. Uh, I got in the car. We drove 80 for 100-something miles. Then we got in the boat, went 80 miles. I was seasick. I hadn't eaten. I had a half a cup of water and a dry piece of toast. I was foolish to get in the water. I grew up, I'm a waterman, I grew up by the sea, but I was not the most proficient of all. And it's counterintuitive when you're spearfishing for some of these giant fish, giant yellowtail, I mean fish that are like 60 pounds, huge. And we had to have ropes and buoys, which I'll tell you about in a second. My friends just got all excited. They, they live out by there. They do this all the time. I was kind of rusty. I kind of even said, can you guys give me some tips? Yeah, just get in there. Just don't aim the gun at each other. So, so it's like, <laughs> thanks, thanks. I got a crash course. Okay, so, so okay, everybody say buddy system. Okay, so a buddy system, you know, you're supposed to have a buddy system and be accountable. Like if you kids go swimming at a, at a rock quarry or something, get a buddy system. Say, hey, man, I'm going in the water. If you guys go camping somewhere and you leave your phone, and say, tell somebody where you are. Yeah. All right, just use some wisdom. Yeah. I've learned all this the hard way. Learn it from me. So here was the thing. I had my partner, and I, we were buddying and swimming, and, but I had this really strongly powerful spear gun. So here I am with him. I'm thinking, well, I shouldn't be too close. I should aim this. So I knew to aim it away, but then I, so I got too far away. They went over that way all excited and found a school of fish and immediately started catching great fish. And I went whoosh, out through these, between these rocks. It's like, and I, I got over here and I was underwater. And while I was underwater, I noticed all the fish were sideways. I went, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. And all these fish also were looking like nervous. Like we don't like being in this washing machine cycle. They were in full agitation cycle. And the bubbles of the surgeon were like 35 feet down. So it was like, wow. And then I realized, oh. And I looked up and I saw the boulders and everything going by real fast. And then I thought, oh, I think I better turn around. And so I started paddling, 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 paddling. I tried to paddle up to the rock, or oh, one hand. 
paddle, paddle, paddle. I almost got up to these wet rocks with all kinds of algae and stuff on them. I thought, well, I'm just going to get up there and crawl up there and hold on until they find me. And I would just barely get to it, and it would pull me away. It was so frustrating. Just barely get to it, and I would be pulled away. I'd swim harder, swim harder, swim harder. My throat was dry. I mean, I had been seasick for 24 hours, but yet, and I was depleted already, and I kept getting pulled out, pulled out, pulled out. The boat was behind rocks, so they couldn't see me. Those guys were busy over there catching fish, so there was a delay there. Conscientious as they were, it was just a perfect storm of problem. And then I got out and I tried to swim around this rock, swim, 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 swim. And I get real close, but I couldn't see the boat. And then I saw that I was, the closer I got to the rock, the more it seemed that the current was pulling me. And this happens sometimes in our daily life. It happens when you're trying to get pregnant. It happens when you're in between jobs or you're trying to overcome a fear. And it's like the closer I get with my own efforts, it's like, so God, I, I need God. And God, I am glad to know you're good. And I knew that in that situation, God was good. I knew he didn't put it on me to teach me something. I knew that, that it was just being in a fallen world. And, you know, I was not probably the most suited for this situation. But I didn't have time to sit there and grovel and didn't have time to go through a bunch of that. I just had to call on the name of the Lord. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody say, God is good. I got pulled out, and I remember seeing the, the Three Kings Island, no, no population, and at that time, we were the only boat that made it out there. There's such a closed set of conditions for, for weather that often you plan, these guys will plan these elaborate fishing trips, and then the weather will close it up, and you won't be able to go. It's a very rough sea up there. But we got in, and we were the only ones there. So I thought, God, this is a perfect scenario for a miracle. And I looked at the rocks and I thought, is this what it's like to die? I thought, I'm out here. I'm going out into the open sea. There's nobody out here. We're 80 miles from the north tip of New Zealand. And somebody had already told me, they don't have the same kind of rescue system as, as the United States. So I had that up in my head. So I had a battle in my head. And I thought, okay, well, that just means it's hopeless. But, God, you answer prayer. You know the number of hairs on my head underneath my wetsuit hood. You know my down-sitting and my uprising. You know that you're present to help in the time of need. And so I trust you. Help me, Lord. I saw Patsy's face. I saw her church. I saw the incompleted work that God's holding me responsible for. I thought about the things that are yet to be revealed. And I thought, God, okay, I know not to panic. And I know that if I panic, it'll decrease the odds of survival. So I refuse to panic. Say that with me. I refuse to panic. Panic is overrated. It wastes your energy. You get all your adrenaline. You make stupid decisions or you don't make any decisions and you're burned out. So I had to get calm. I had to just say, okay, God, you're going to see me through. And I thought of this. I'm prepared to be out here for three nights. So I got the buoys and the ropes, those nylon ropes, and I tied them up underneath my arms. I was already buoyant because of my wetsuit, but in order to have the idea to sleep through the night, I'd be able to rest where I wouldn't have to kick. I learned in a backyard swim program, and you, all parents should put your kids through elaborate swimming classes. You should get all your kids to where they're the premier expert swimmers, please. I realize we don't live by the ocean, but you do go visit in Florida. You do go to the rivers and the lakes and so forth. Get your kids learning how to swim. Even with my skills of swimming, 
I needed to have that buoyancy that I could just sleep through the night. I kept the spear. I want to say it's because I anticipated uh, predators, and then I could also shoot my food and eat it. Um, but really, it was because it was borrowed, and it cost $1,400. <laughs> there was no way I was throwing that thing off. And then uh, I cried out to the Lord. I feel led to share this. I've shared it a number of times. And it's, somebody asked me one time, is, is this a, an analogy, or, or is, this a, is this a metaphor? No, I actually was lost at sea in New Zealand. And I reckon, because when I was out there, it reminded me of some trouble I went through with one of my family members. I said, God, this, I even said out loud, this feels exactly like that. It wasn't exactly like that, but it felt exactly like that. And I thought, Jesus, you are touched with the feeling of our infirmities. You're a man of pain. You carried our sorrows. You were willing to die on the cross for humanity to show God's love. And in fact, it says right here in this verse, in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory. Now, please get this. This is your key message point today. He's the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is the exact representation of the heavenly Father's nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. He said to Peter, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. And he says, I don't speak on my own volition. The Holy Spirit is the one that would speak to Jesus. He takes from that and he reveals it. And he brings to us a couple of thoughts about God's goodness. Did Jesus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John ever go into a village, gather some people up that were healthy, lay hands on them, and give them leprosy? Are there any accounts in the Bible where he had the children come to him and when the parents said, would you pray for my kids? And one of them, he broke one of their legs to say, now you're going to have to learn about suffering in life. Did he ever do that? No, that's called sadomasochism. That's called child abuse. That's not what Jesus did. You have to learn. If you want to know God, you have to look at Jesus, the living word, the God incarnate. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. So did he come around harshly condemning? No, he came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to set sinners free. The lady of ill repute at the well, he, he calls her out but doesn't lay condemnation on her. She was a nobody. She became a somebody and led her whole city to the Lord. He, some posh, fancy man of high social standing, Nicodemus, he didn't uh, name drop and get kind of uh, kind of enamored by his, his status. He looked right past the fact that he was trying to talk to him in the dark and was nervous about peer pressure. And Nicodemus came out at night and said, we could tell you're from God because of the miracles. He said, hey, you must be born again. And he gave one of the great truths to this man that was hiding out. He didn't go, I'm not going to talk to you because you're being, you're being fearful of man, so I'm not going to bother with you. He said, I'm not going to talk to you, woman at the well, because you, you've been living a bad life. He goes, no, I came to save sinners. I'm on point with this. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the work of the evil one. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. I want you to tighten your grip on this promise. I want you to embrace this closer into your heart. 
I want it to wash and renew your mind. I want you to actually understand that God is good. He answers prayer. He cares about you. He will arrange things to intervene for you, to surround you with favor as with a shield. He is love. God is love. He loved the world so much. He draws us with his loving kindness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His love never runs out or never runs dry. I'm going to finish with Psalm 136. Let's all stand up and read this together. I want you to read the entirety of this psalm. But first of all, God is good, God is powerful, and God is present. Are you ready? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And brought Israel out from their midst, for his loving kindness is everlasting. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his loving kindness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Are you getting this? To him who smote great kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And slew mighty kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And gave their land as an inheritance, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Even a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And is, has rescued from our adversaries, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who gives food to all flesh, and for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Get a point there? Yeah. Psalmist had to keep repetitive points to make it where, okay, he, he's faithful to a thousand generations. I shared my testimony with you in case you feel like you're stuck in a situation. I shared my testimony with you. I've got other ones. We had a storm coming down on this church on Good Friday one night with a jam-packed room. And uh, we didn't have a basement to go to. And as a pastor, I was burdened for the kids and the, all the people in the building. I said, let's all get away from the windows. I knew not to panic. Let's turn our chairs into altars and let's just get down on our knees. 
I didn't, I felt like I'm not going to announce hysterically that the storm is in, in Darting Prairie and it's getting ready to come across the river, which it did. But I will tell you that the storm cells split and there was a pure, clean line right over where we were and God had split and the God who cut the Red Sea asunder and part of the Red Sea, he's still faithful today. Jonah was lost in the sea and God provided a way to get back on dry land and God did that for me as well. That's how real this is for me. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with is something very important. I've learned as a pastor not to in any way trivialize anybody's deal. It is your deal and God cares about it. He's very thoughtful toward you. Little things, medium things, and hard things. And my God is faithful and he is trustworthy and he is, he is God and he has made provision and he's revealed himself through his son. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus and we get breakthrough. Let's lift our hands. Heavenly Father, this is a moment for us to release our faith toward your faithfulness. So with all our might, we open our hearts to your endless and infinite and wonderful possibilities. My God shall supply all of our needs. With God, all things are possible. Go out and retrieve our wayward sons and daughters. God, intervene in the situations of our health. Open up doors in our society to bring meaningful revival and harvest in the world around us. Help us as a people. Help us as a church. Help us in our families, Lord. Help us as individuals to really get closer to the Lord. Walk more soberly and fervently and enthusiastically, more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God, I pray rescue and protection and deliverance on everybody here as they drive, as they fly, as they get in boats, planes, walk, whatever they do, trains, wherever they go, however they go. I pray a protection around about all of us. In Jesus' name.